When you were uh, first attending the green room, did you ever expect that one day you'd be running it? No, definitely not. I think it was always a space that I needed whenever I was in university because it was just like de-stress, um, calm, around people that feel familiar. And then I was studying marketing, so I never thought that this is the role that I would be in. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be with you. Welcome to your home, a podcast that explores the intersections of social environment, spirituality, and mental health and wellness. My name is Ibrahim, and today I am joined by Timuril, who is an award-winning Somali-Canadian spoken word poet whose practice is rooted in responsible storytelling. Timuru is also the Youth Initiatives Manager and Artist-in-Residence at the Islamic Family and Social Services Association. Today, we discuss a little bit about her work, why she does what she does, and intersections with her own mental health journey. How I came to know you was through, of course, being a poet laureate, right? Or uh, is that the, <laughs> sorry, I forget even how to, how to pronounce that, uh, poet laureate? Yeah, youth poet laureate. There's no other context where you'd use the word laureate. So. Yeah, it's true. It. It's true. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what it means. You know, it just, you know, well, first of all, like, what was that like? <laughs> so, you know what? That's interesting because that was also a role that I came into. And the first half was pre-pandemic and the second half was post-pandemic. But what was really cool about it, so while I was in university, what I used to do in the summers is I would do youth programming uh, roles, like with the city or with different organizations. And Youth Poet Laureate was the first time that I got to do a youth programming role where I was running the programming. So I created like a mentorship program, but it was all based in poetry. And we actually used the old green room space um, once a week to like do our meetings. So maybe that was a sign of what was to come, but it was a really cool role for sure. So. As youth poet laureate, um, what is what does that entail? Maybe that's what you were describing. You know, basically like working with youth and engaging in poetry and and using the green space or the green room. Pretty much. So the official like role description is that you're an ambassador for literary arts in the city. So what that looks like, obviously, is just performing poetry, writing poetry, engaging youth in poetry. So everything that you just said exactly is what it was. Well, then I got to ask, you know, the uh, the question I think any artist, you know, uh, get gets asked, which is, you know, in a sense, what what motivates your 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 own uh, uh, artistic side and, and your interest in, in the arts? I think it's a layered there's a layered answer to that question. So one of the layers is I come from like I'm Somali. My parents grew up in a very like oral culture where all the storytelling and sharing is through oral tradition and poetry is very, very popular in Somali culture, especially among Somali women. So it feels kind of like I'm just continuing something that's been happening for generations in my family, but obviously I'm doing it in a different way because I'm in Canada and I'm relearning how to explore spoken word, which is a bit different. And then the other layer to it is, I think spoken word is one of the few spaces where I'm able to just express what I'm feeling and it feels really really natural and then I'm also able to connect with others in a way that is I definitely can't connect with others when I'm just using you know everyday everyday language so yeah well what was what was that time like in your life you know you you 
uh, we're attending the green room, you're studying marketing, but what else was going on? It was a really busy time. I think anyone that's a student or in undergrad can attest to just how busy university is, how much of your time it takes up. And I think the funny thing about university is you always feel like you should be doing more. So the courses were one thing, but there's always the pressure to be in a thousand extracurriculars. I've always loved poetry and art. So I always wanted to spend time investing in that. I was also working part-time because one thing about university is you don't make any money <laughs> going to classes. So it was really busy. I feel like I was always um, stretched thin. And then the last couple of semesters were during the pandemic as well. So I'm very happy to be on the other side of it because it was was not an easy journey, but alhamdulillah. I think it, it, it's also interesting for, for our, our uh, listeners and for myself to actually know, you know, I've been working with you now for like a year and a half now. And, you know, I'm, 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 I'm interested in, in uh, your own uh, journey uh, that, uh, you know, what brought you to be a, a green space provider. You know, when it, when it comes down to the, 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 the green room, pardon me, the green room, like it, it, it has its own like feeling it has uh, like a tone that is sort of like, I, you know, uh, before I became a member of the Islamic family, like I, I remember attending events at the green room and like it, it, it always felt welcoming. It has like a particular like inclusive tone. And um, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of wondering like what, what sort of led you in, in that uh, direction uh, to eventually uh, lead this program? You know what, it's it's something that kind of, it just unfolded and I didn't expect it to unfold. So I was nearing the end of my university career. Um, I saw that the position had opened up and I thought like, what would it be like to be in that role full time? I had been in youth programming positions. I knew what the green room felt like when I was there and it was always this inclusive, like exactly like you described, just a completely different vibe from any other Muslim space or youth space in general that I'd been in. And I just kind of let myself imagine, like, what would it be like to be in that role? And it felt like it would be a really wonderful experience. So I applied. I was like, we'll just see what happens, inshallah. Fingers crossed, you know, bismillah. And I got the job. And it's been a really wonderful experience the past year and a half. So I'm, I'm glad it happened. But it's one of those things that I never had really planned for. But yeah, yeah. Well, what was, you know, when you were attendee, were there aspects about the green room that 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 helped you in your own educational journey? Yeah, I mean, like I said, university was a really stressful time. One of the things that were stressful about it too was I was in a field like I was in the I was in business school, and it was an area where I was always one of the only people that looked like me in the space. So either the only Muslim woman or the only Black woman or both. And I think when you're in a space like that, you kind of cannot be your full self all of the time because you the only parts of your identity are welcome in that um, realm and there's a lot of feelings of erasure and just like not belonging and imposter syndrome so to be able to come to a space like the green room where it was the complete opposite of that I was surrounded by people who looked like me had similar experiences I could show up as my full self it was very freeing to have and amazing for my mental health as well to have Mm -hmm. that complete um, freedom in a space like that can, can you can you tell me a little bit more about that, you know, how, how it supported your, your, your own mental health? Yeah, I think um, it was one of the few times that I kind of would take a moment to just pause. 
I spent, I think, a lot of my undergrad kind of in cycles of burnout and not understanding that it was burnout. And I think that since graduating, I've had to like completely reframe how I understand self-care and how I understand what burnout looks like as well. And looking back, I think that being in that space was one of the few forms of self-care that were able to sort of like, just let me kind of hit pause on everything for a second. What does, when you're talking about uh, burnout, you know, our demographics, right? They come to the green room, right? It's it's youth, young adult. And do you see like in, in people that you're, you're supporting, you know, some of the same signs that you felt like you were experiencing when also you were going through your, uh, your education? Yeah, I mean, I think for one, the pandemic kind of just put a magnifying glass on all of the underlying things that a lot of us were going through. So I think before the pandemic, maybe you were stressed a lot of the time or you felt anxious, but because you were around people and family and friends and you weren't always just in your house, um, you could cope with it. Like life moved at a pace that felt manageable. And then I think with the pandemic, all of those underlying issues were just magnified to a point where you had to deal with them because we all kind of hit a wall. And I think a lot of young people, we tend to feel like we're always running out of time. There's this pressure to achieve all of these things and be all of these, live up to all these expectations, especially if you're, you know, um, that the immigrant child syndrome of like wanting to live up to all of the sacrifices that your parents made. And um, I think sometimes we forget that at the root of it all, like our loved ones just want us to be happy and we're actually not running out of time because nothing that we plan for will go necessarily as planned we don't know how much time we have here on this earth so all we can do is be present each and every day try our best and like let go when things don't go as planned but I definitely think that we're all kind of feeling a lot of the same things and everyone wants to kind of be okay to the outside world because you never want to air out your what we think of as weakness but vulnerability is never really weakness can you help me understand you said immigrant child syndrome and that's not a real definitely not a <laughs> clinical term but it might not be in the dsm but uh could you could you help me uh, understand what what that means that's a definitely a heavy one but i guess if i could break it down i would i would think of it as this twofold so one is like the identity crisis aspect of it you know this feeling of being one of the first generations to exist in two cultures for me that means being Somali, being Canadian, but then also not really being either one and just being a hybrid, I guess, um, and trying to define who are you, what is your sense of self within that world. And then the other aspect of it too is feeling like because you are the first generation to be in this country or in this place, and because your parents um, sacrificed so much for you, you have to kind of live up to all of these expectations and be enough for all the generations to come. So you feel like all this weight is on your shoulders. And I think a lot of us feel that way. So that's my non-clinical clinical term to describe uh, that, that feeling. Uh, when, I, when I work with, uh, with students, of course, you know that I'm a convert to Islam. And in a sense, I'm you know, uh, convert into this, this dynamic and diverse Muslim community uh, as well. Sometimes when I work with with youth, I tell them, you know, there are there are things that like I've experienced that you haven't, and likewise as well too, there are things that you've experienced that that I never will. 
Uh, one of which is like, I know what it's like to grow up non-Muslim and then finding Islam, but I don't know what it's like to grow up Muslim, you know? And um, I wonder uh, if you may like, how has that aspect of your own biography, your own story, your own life narrative, how has that contributed to finding you in the green room space or um, maybe helped supported or complicated your description of uh, the immigrant child syndrome? I think part of it is I can't really separate my sense of um, self from my sense of being Muslim because it's all <laughs> one. So when I talk about quote unquote immigrant child syndrome, that also all the things that go into that are also my blackness, my Muslimness, all the different aspects of my identity. So I don't know how to, it's all just one complicated web and I don't know how to decouple one from the other. Um, but I mean, I guess my one contribution to that narrative would just be the feeling of like what it is to be Muslim and visiting Muslim, like someone that wears hijab and someone that doesn't and knowing how different it is to navigate the world. And it's interesting because in both situations, whether I'm visibly Muslim or not, I'm always gonna be a visibly black woman. So yeah, it's a very complex experience. That I don't know necessarily like always where one begins and one ends because I think they're just all kind of coexisting. I know that 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 presently the uh, the green room is looking at a, a Black Futures uh, project, and you're engaging in. Uh, I've seen some really nice uh, Instagram uh, posts uh, regarding that, and even at the green room, some of the, the the posters you even shared in that space. And I'm wondering, you know, how, how does your own background and, and and heritage, if you don't mind sharing, influence uh, your your focus in serving youth? you know, with a Black Futures focus? I think for me, it was really important in this role to make sure that when we think about inclusion and the identity of being Muslim, everybody within that umbrella was included. And I think sometimes in Muslim spaces, we don't see Black Muslims included in the story of what it means to be Muslim. So being able to celebrate Black History Month in a way that's like forward looking, that looks beyond February was kind of the intentions behind it. And then also just that it was a lot of fun to be able to explore something that is completely creative. Um, the idea of Afrofuturism or Muslim futurism is very much about creativity and um, allowing yourself to just explore different mediums without any restriction because there's like no definition of what it's supposed to look like. So yeah, there's there's kind of different layers to it. And I'm just really excited to see what community submissions look like and how the project comes together. Could you explain for uh, our audience a little bit about, uh, um, was it Afrofuturism? Yes, okay. Uh, so I don't have the official definition with me, but in my mind, Afrofuturism is this idea of picturing um, Black communities in futures that don't yet exist. So basically, a lot of the time, the visuals might look uh, dystopian or space-like. But I think in writing and in practice, it's also just about imagining futures that are more safe, that are more just, um, that are freer, that are better than our current reality, and allowing yourself to dream about how we can get there and how we can get beyond the present, and then rooting it all in art and creativity. That's awesome. Uh, the first time I was introduced to that term, of course, is uh, with the Black Panther, right, and the influence of Afrofuturism on on the design uh, of Wakanda, and uh, 
and and uh, that that in of itself has just had such a lasting impact you know uh just on culture uh, itself and and the imagination you know for for uh I, I sometimes think about you know that's how star trek you know uh you know really started off as like a imagining of a, a future that's a future in peace you know and uh and it really does allow for more of the creative uh, juices to flow. A hundred percent. I think like um, stories like the ones that you're mentioning are a testament to how when we imagine things that don't exist and we can kind of rally behind that that um, narrative, it's just really exciting. Like what Black Panther did for a culture was just like unmatched, unprecedented. And it was also my introduction to Mar the mo whole Marvel universe, which I know is near and dear to your heart so yeah yeah <laughs> yeah 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 i i i uh i won't mention his name but i took one of our locally moms to go see it too <laughs> i don't know if he wants me name dropping him <laughs> yeah but uh ever since then he'll he'll ask me every now and again i, I want to go see another movie like black panther <laughs> i'm waiting for the for the next one to come out i think it's like september or something yeah yeah wakanda forever you know we'll uh we'll we'll uh we'll wait and see the, the green room has gone through some uh different variations over time because we were at center high and then we uh, moved to another location and now we're at a third you know just over the past few years um but could, could you describe, you know, so to, to for our listeners who maybe have never uh, visited the Green Room, like, could you help them, uh, you maybe introduce them to what is the Green Room and what is it, what is it supposed to do, uh, strive to do within our community? So if I could give my elevator pitch for the Green Room, I would say that it's, it's meant to be a space specifically inclusive of Muslim youth. Um, and the term youth is always going to be expansive and changing, but our target audience for the most part is youth ages 16 to 24. And one thing I always tell people is that by creating a space that's inclusive for a demographic that often feels marginalized and not included, by extension, you kind of create a space that's inclusive for everybody. So it may be a space that's intended for Muslim youth, but everyone kind of is able to feel welcome. And what we do varies, but we focus on three main values, which is connection, growth, and service. So how can you find connectivity with other youth in conversation and discussion? How can you um, grow as an individual by being invested in building skills in different areas? And how are you able to serve your community through volunteerism? Mm. Uh, and what the programs look like are always changing, but the values are at the core of it, I guess. But one aspect, you know, kind of drive it back to uh, the green room is that we, of course, provide uh, services in this inclusive space for youth and young adult Muslims and sometimes, you know, uh, older Muslims, too, that they come and, uh, and you know, uh, attend uh, events and so forth and non-Muslims even. But um, in what way do you think the green room helps to support uh youth and young adults who are also experiencing again <laughs> jumping on your term uh, immigrant child syndrome or at the very least what you've been describing here i think one thing i've learned in my many many years existing and growing up here in alberta is that 
you're not necessarily going to feel like you belong in the spaces around you 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. And that has kind of just been my reality, like going to schools where I've experienced what it's like to go to an Islamic school and what it's like to go to a school where I'm the only person in the class that has a hijab on, right? So I think the first thing for me has just been coming to terms with that understanding. And then the second more important thing has been knowing what it is safe to feel like I belong in a space and trying to find those spaces as often as possible. Um, Yeah, I think we all kind of know the sensation of coming home after a long day and feeling at peace in your home space. Mm -hmm. So what's been important for me is finding community spaces where I can feel that way as well. Like I'm coming home and I can feel safe. And the green room is one of those spaces where you're just at ease in a space because many of the people around you are welcoming you or have similar experiences and you're not explaining who you are you're just kind of existing and yeah it's very freeing for sure when we talk about muslim uh spaces or faith spaces or uh centers i think sometimes people have like this idea in mind of what that means or what that entails or what they can expect when they walk in the door if if you were to come across someone who kind of had some preconceived ideas of what the green room was as a space for Muslim youth and young adults that didn't exactly fit with, or, uh, I mean, I'll just be straightforward. Some people have some negative impressions, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, I wonder how would you clear the air? How, how would you, because first of all, to anyone listening, that's not my experience of uh, the green room in any way whatsoever. I, I really love uh, the space. And I, I feel a little bit of a tug every time you say 16 to 24, because I'm almost 40 and I, I enjoy going there. <laughs> so, but, uh, but the, the space is very welcoming and a great space. So like, what, what would you tell people or do tell people uh, when you kind of see a little, uh, mm-hmm. if, if that ever comes up when you're talking to them about the green room? I think that any of those like negative potential emotions that come up I think a lot of a lot of people have had experiences where for them they define Islam for themselves and they feel a closeness and a connection to their religion and their spirituality but don't necessarily always feel welcome in community spaces which is really really unfortunate because you should be able to show up in a space with fellow Muslims and like just feel welcomed but sometimes we put expectations on what it is to be Muslim and what, it, what it's not accepted and what's allowed in a space and what's not allowed. And so I think if you hear Muslim youth program, you're wondering like, okay, is this gonna be a space where I'll be judged? Is it gonna be uncomfortable? Is it okay that I'm this way or that I'm not perfect or da 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 da? And that there's all these like negative emotions that might be brought up because of past experiences. So my hope is that the negative emotions are never because of the green room itself. Um, but I guess what I would say is like, you can honestly just come as you are and like it's okay you're accepted and what you'll realize is probably a lot of the other people around you have had those same experiences where they came in feeling like am I going to be judged what is it going to be like I kind of have to you know suss it out a little bit and you're totally welcome to just come in be as you are relax have some tea and um, maybe maybe get into some good conversation as well before I moved to Edmonton I had never, like many people, had heard of uh, Edmonton, but I'd heard of the Green Room. Uh, Someone had uh, mentioned uh, a little bit about the space, and I uh, ended up applying for a position with IFSA uh, at that time. 
<clears throat> and uh, Omar actually flew me into Edmonton to kind of check out the community. And really through the green room space, through IFSA, and just seeing the, just the beauty of the city, I, I came to fall in love fall in love with this community, and it's it's what brought me here. So really, the green room, uh, I also see as part of the reason why I moved to to Edmonton. And um, you know, I just I, I really fell in love with uh, with really the tone of the, the community. And you know, if there's one thing that I, I really you know, subhanAllah, all the different cities I've lived in just over the past, you know, 15 years or so. And um, I'll say that some cities have certain focus, uh, some are more knowledge oriented, some business oriented, some education oriented. I feel like my experience of the Muslim community here in Edmonton is we're service oriented. You know, we're, we're really keen on like serving others. And I, I feel like, um, you know, uh, I feel like the green room uh, is a place where people like yourself, you know, are, are, are there to serve and people when they enter that space, uh, they'll be at the very least handed a cup of tea. At the very least, and maybe a hello as well. <laughs> maybe, maybe hello as well. <laughs> but tea is almost guaranteed. 100%. Uh, let's say that there's someone who's in high school and maybe they are uh, struggling with, you know, um, you know, fitting in or, you know, uh, they feel the responsibilities, you know, as, as a child of, 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 of an immigrant uh, family, um, first generation. Why, why should that person, what might they expect, you know, if they were to come out to a green room event, either online or in person? I think that one thing I would say is this, I feel like the space is only as vibrant as the people that are in it. And my favorite thing about being in any green room space, virtually or in person, is the people, the community members that come out and make it what it is. Mm -hmm. So what I would say to that youth is, um, give it a try, just see. And I think what you'll find more than anything else is that you'll be able to connect with community members that are of similar mind have similar experiences and will hopefully make your experience wherever you might be if you're in Edmonton or not a little bit a little bit easier and a little bit more like you belong somewhere and and what's the motto for the green room your home thank you so much uh, Timuru for your time and to all of our uh, listeners as well hope to catch you uh, next month assalamualaikum Your Home is a podcast created by the Green Room Youth Program. Join us next month as we invite two members of our Edmonton community to discuss the intersections of faith, student life, and Ramadan. This episode was produced by myself, Hussein Khan, and hosted by Ibrahim Long. Thank you to our guest, Tamara Muhammad, for sharing her story with us, as well as Toba Khalifa, Aisha Ahmed, and the rest of the team at Islamic Family for their feedback and making this episode possible. For more information on our programs and events, as well as upcoming podcast episodes, you can stay connected with The Green Room through our Instagram or website, linked in the show notes below.